Hello and welcome to the week nine version of the Megapod here with the lines, Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, Adam Candy. And as you can tell, if you are watching us on the YouTube machine, which you should be absolutely free, go ahead, hit that subscribe button right down below. It's a road show for me. I am uh, in the elements here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, getting ready for LSU and Alabama on Saturday night, but not going to keep me away from giving you guys the goods. And that's why I am here. And we're going to kick things off. Los Angeles Chargers and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Adam, I'm going to start with you on this one. And we're sitting right now, Chargers as three-point favorites. 49 and a half is the total. This game is the shrug emoji game for me, right? I mean, who's playing, who's not, what are we going to get? We know Keenan Allen's likely not going for the chargers. We know that there's a slew of injuries on the Falcon side where we're trying to figure out who's going to be out there and who's not. I mean, I wanted to think that this might be a buy low spot on the chargers, but with no Keenan Allen and, you know, maybe Atlanta getting back some pieces as well. I, I, I just don't know what to do with this one. So this is a game I have marked to wait for one particular injury because I think it changes a whole lot about how we look at this game, and it's Cordero Patterson Mm -hmm. for the Atlanta Falcons. He is a Saturday decision for the Falcons. And look, this offense has been able to continue to run the ball far more effectively than we thought they were going to be able to. If you look at what they've been able to do using Marcus Mariota as sort of the fulcrum point for an option-type offense – They have continued to stay in football games on the offensive side. And look, it took an absolute miracle and a circus for them to win that game last week against the Carolina Panthers. That being said, when you look at the NFC South, see them four and four, realize they have the second easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. You realize this Falcons team is definitely live. So in terms of this week against the Chargers, the only way I would go here is Falcons. uh, And because of this in particular, the Chargers can't stop the run, right? And that yeah. is what Atlanta does really well. And so I'm looking at that. I would give at least a passing glance if I didn't like a side to the over at 49, because as you mentioned, with the injuries, AJ Terrell is out for mm-hmm. the Falcons. And no matter who's catching the ball for Justin Herbert, they don't have any cornerbacks left to try to stop them on the Atlanta side. So ultimately, uh, At plus three, I would lean Atlanta. It's juiced in some places. If it got to three and a half, I would absolutely play Atlanta because the question for me right now, and I'll throw this back to you guys, what is it that the Chargers are doing really well? Right. Yeah. I mean, and and, and I think we could point to even Steven looking at Justin Herbert, who hasn't really played all that well this season, right? And look, I understand if you don't have Keenan Allen out there, it's a completely different team. We know Mike Williams isn't going to be out there this week either. Uh, I'm with you, though, uh, Adam. If, if a three and a hook popped up, I, I would seriously be considering the Falcons in this one for sure. Um, and who knows? Maybe by the time this thing kicks off, we do see a three and a hook somewhere. Steven, what are your thoughts here on this one? I already bet it. I bet the Falcons plus three. I was comfortable mm-hmm. right then and there. And you mentioned the the run defense for the Chargers, Adam. It's not as abysmal as it was last year, but it's bad. They're 23rd in rush DVOA, 20th mm-hmm. by PFF against the run, 27th in EPA per play against the rush. And the last four games in particular, nine yards per carry allowed to Houston, 6.9 per carry allowed to Cleveland, 4.3 against Denver, and 6.3 against Seattle. They can't even stop them a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. And nobody has a lower passing over expectation than the Atlanta Falcons offense. We know they want to run it. 
And overall, despite being so extremely run heavy, they're still top 10 in EPA offense, top 10 in rush success rate. They're one of the slowest pace teams in the NFL. So when we're trying to cover a number as, a, as an underdog, that's something that I like to see as well. I don't think they're going to be playing a rat race out there where you get more variance and uh, maybe some more scoring. And I just don't like what I see from this Chargers team coming cross country here. They did not get healthier during the bye probably down their top two receivers. Austin Eckler popped up on the injury report as well midweek, which is another big blow if he's not 100%. Oh, by the way, they would be down to their third string running back with Joshua Kelly on IR as well. Just a lot of things here that that make me not want to take the Chargers, including their defense, which was supposed to be really good coming into the year, but has not showed at all that they're at that level. Yeah, Falcons are passed for me. I think Adam's same way, and then you're already on the Falcons, so it seems like we are all in agreement on this one. Miami Dolphins and the Chicago Bears, and guys, Dolphins in the account, the first bet that I made this week, and this thing is down to four now. It had gotten up to five, four, four and a half. There are still a couple, couple four and a halves out there. 45 and a half is your total. Now, I, w- I did get the best of the over in this. I also played the over at 44, so I got the way best of the number. On that one, um, look, even at 45 and a half, I understand that there's a little bit of weather concern in Chicago, but it seems as if those concerns are way, 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 way better now than they were earlier on in the week. I still think that number is probably a tick low for what we're going to get because, guys, we know what we're getting in the Dolphins. We're getting an offense that is incredibly efficient that's going to move the ball. As long as Tua is under center and you got Waddle and you've got Tyreek out there, this, this offense is going to move. And so we know that's going to happen. And I actually think the Bears offense has shown signs of life here over the last few weeks with these designed runs for Justin Fields, making sure that they're not, um, you know, putting him in bad positions. It seems like they're actually putting him in positions to succeed. And so I, I like the over in this. I like the Dolphins. I think at the end of the day, the Dolphins just have too much offense and just enough defense to, to get this done against Chicago. Steven, what say you? I did not get the best of the total, but I bet the over anyway here, uh, 45 and a half. This is where this total was at on Monday before the weather concerns and it dropped a little bit, but all of those weather concerns, I think at this point are out the window. They thought maybe some rain and 25 mile an hour sustained winds with gusts even more. That entire forecast has now moved to Saturday. It looks like a beautiful day in Chicago on Sunday right now as we record this on Friday afternoon. 65 degrees, mild wind, less than 15 miles per hour. So really conducive to these two offenses against a couple of defense that look pretty poor. Two Ds outside the top 25 in DVOA, outside the top 20 in yards per play allowed outside the top 20 in EPA and success rate defense. And you mentioned Justin Fields in Chicago the last two weeks, and they did it against Bill Belichick and the Dallas defense, which is very respectable, in my opinion, with Mm -hmm. putting up top 10 offensive numbers over those two weeks. Uh, And now they get a Miami, a Miami defense that is reeling. So I think the over is definitely a good look here. Adam, we take a look at, you know, a, a Bears team that, again, I'm, I'm not trying to say that they're good by any stretch of the imagination. That's not what I'm I'm saying at all. But it, I, you know, listen, credit where credit's due. And I thought they would be one of the worst three teams in all the NFL. Um, I actually kind of like what I've seen from this coaching staff over the last few weeks. And I really like the fact that they're utilizing what Justin Fields does best, right? And that's basically make you kind of guess what's what's going to happen. Is he going to run the ball? Is he going to keep the ball? Is, are they going to just run a traditional pass play? Whatever it might be. And uh, I think that they can put some points on the board against this Dolphins defense that maybe has been one of the more underperforming 
of any of the defenses, you know, that we thought was at least going to be top half of the league, top 12 in the league, something like that. Um, and, and again, I think the Dolphins just score at will against this Bears defense that lo- now lost their their two best players via trade. I look at what's going on with the Chicago Bears offense, and I was really curious to filter out the garbage time because I wanted mm-hmm. to see with what they had done both late against New England when that game was out of hand and then late against Dallas when that game was out of hand from the other direction, mm-hmm. did the numbers still hold up for is this offense better? So I, I, using the EPA metrics, filter out uh, garbage time, 10% on both bands there. And I look and I see that they're still positive on both rush and and pass EPA per play. Like Mm -hmm. they're getting it done right now when it matters. And as you guys mentioned, it is the threat of Justin Fields and the run. It is the designed runs. It is somehow just figuring out a season and a half into the guy's career that if you take those shackles off him, that he becomes like Jalen Hurts. He becomes like the guys that are the modern versions of quarterbacks who might be limited in terms of standing in the pocket and throwing the ball, but certainly can add to your offense if you take advantage of all the dimensions that are available there. So I don't have a play on this game uh, in part because look, I'm in on Miami as much as Mm These two receivers make them so dynamic and the potential to explode at any given time. I have not made the full purchase on Tua yet. I, I've kind of gone like Christmas layaway on I Tua. Like, I, like I'll bring the product into the house and I'll give you a little bit of money and I kind of want to take a test drive with it. Like I'm just not there quite yet. So no play for me on this one. But uh, the look toward the over feels to me like the one way I would be comfortable getting involved. Been a while since I heard the Kmart layaway analogy. That's good stuff, man. It takes me back to when I was a kid growing up. (laughs) Carolina Panthers and the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Seven and a half point favorites are the Bengals at home, though. This is uh, interesting. You can get an expensive seven out there as well. So if you are looking to play Cincinnati, you can get an expensive seven. If you're looking to play the Panthers, you can get a seven and a half. Forty two and a half is your total. Adam. Look, Cincinnati couldn't have looked worse against Cleveland. They were all out of sorts. It was probably the worst game they've played all season long. And Carolina, you know, look, I think they're riding pretty high off of what was a near win last week. I think they probably maximized as much as they could out of that game. I still don't think they're good. I still think they're bad. I think the defense at least has some players on it, but that's about it. I think this number is appropriate if somebody wanted to play the Bengals in a teaser, I would not tell them not to, but I think everything about this just screams appropriate. And when that is the case, I I tend to I tend to take a pass on the game. Yeah, the only thing that has me slightly interested is an over 42 and a half mm-hmm. because of the fact that I don't think the Carolina offense is good. They're certainly not as good as they looked last week. Yeah. But what I do think is that P.J. Walker is human variance and he's going to take those shots that are going to either result in turnovers that could lead to points for Cincinnati or like we saw last week with D.J. Moore, they might lead to points in the most unexpected manner. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to side in this thing for sure. If you're taking the points with Carolina and we've seen this number come down from nine and a half into the seven from where it opened. I think you're buying really, really high on a roster that's fundamentally bad. And that would be a very, very dangerous spot to me. If you're looking at that and saying, well, Cincinnati didn't play well without Jamar Chase last week, the problems were not about 
just yeah. not having Jamar Chase. There were yeah. far more problems than that. And the question for me this week would become, can you get Zach Taylor away from pounding it with Joe Mixon, especially early in the game? I'm not willing to bet on that to bet on Cincinnati, even in a teaser. So I'm with you, Matt. It's a pass. Steven, uh, it's look, I still think Cincinnati is a good team. I that being said, there's still the Zach Taylor factor involved, and that's why I can't lay it here. I conventional thinking is that you should lay it here because you're never going to get Cincinnati with as low a sentiment as you have on them right now, and you're probably not going to get the Panthers with as high a sentiment on them as you're going to get right now. So this seems like the perfect time where you're supposed to be buying in on Cincy, but. I just can't get there. Like I said, a teaser leg I think is fine if you wanted to go that direction or whatever, but uh, I, I can't I can't do it on the seven. I have very little trust with either of these teams. I think there's a lot of volatility here, and if you take away the Hail Mary that P.J. Walker had at the end of the game last year, he had a passer rating of 63 in that game. They were incredibly lucky to cover that spread. And... I've heard a lot this week about, well, the Bengals have gotten beat up by by good pass rushes and the Panthers don't have a strong pass rush. They are 20th in pass rush win rate, 22nd in pressure rate. That ignores the fact that the Bengals' protection issues on their offensive line have largely not mattered who they played. Six of their eight opponents have a pressure rate of 25th or worse this season, and Burrow's taken the second most sacks behind only Justin Fields. It has not mattered whether they play a strong pass rush or not. They have fundamental flaws in this offensive line. And because of that volatility, I can't make a bet here, even though I do think it is buying low on the Bengals at this number and perhaps pretty good spot to take them in a teaser leg. But the, but there's absolutely a chance that their protection is just so bad that it just breaks everything else down and they lose another game. Well, and, and Matt, to add one yeah. piece to that, I, I think this highlights what we talk about all the time about sacks, especially being a quarterback stat. And if you look at around with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is among the top four quarterbacks in average time to throw this year in the NFL. The other three are running quarterbacks. So it makes right. sense. They hang on because if you're Justin Fields, if you're Lamar Jackson, then the threat of the run is there and you can hang on for a second and then decide, cool, I'm bouncing from the pocket and I'm going to make something out of it for Joe Burrow. He's just waiting too long, period. And so yeah. good line, bad line. We're going back to what the criticism was of Burrow before with the pressure. And so I know it's sacrilege while you are getting ready to go to an LSU game to talk <laughs> this way about Joe Burrow. But here I am doing it. Yeah, I, like I said, I think they win the game. So it's probably like a teaser leg if you found a dance partner that you like. But for but outside of that, I just uh, I can't get there. Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions Packers find themselves as three and a half point road favorites over the Lions, a total of forty nine and a half to fifty. Uh, Adam, tell me in what way, shape or form. I don't care if it is the Lions that this version of the Green Bay Packers should be a three and a half point favorite over anybody on the road. I, I just it's to me. I get it. I understand the Lions defense is a sieve. I fully understand that. But did have the Packers shown anything that would lead us to believe that they would be able to take advantage of that Lions defense that is a sieve? Uh, for me, I just don't know, man. Like it's it's real tough. It's real tough for me not to want to take the points with the Lions at home. 
I'm passing entirely on this thing uh, because of the fact that my evaluation of the Lions from the preseason was so far off that I don't really trust myself when it comes to taking the points with them uh, at home. It's not the same team that we saw, you know, with the plucky cover in week one against the Philadelphia Eagles, which is kind of how I evaluated them coming in. They were going to be a fun against the spread team, but I don't see it as much, especially on the defensive side of the ball right now, no matter how bad Green Bay's offense is. That being said, this thing has been pegged to three and a half for a long time. And imagine the Green Bay Packers and the way Aaron Rodgers has owned the Detroit Lions and Aaron Rodgers going indoors to play this game. And this thing hasn't moved at all, even through the dead numbers, even up to four, four and a half, five, where you would expect that if the Green Bay uh, believers were there, that this is where it would go. So I, I don't want any part of this game. I don't want any part of what's going on with the offensive line with Green Bay, with Bakhtiari still not practicing, with Elton Jenkins as a question mark coming into this game. And I definitely don't want anything to do with a Lions team that just fired its defensive backs coach and that you have to kind of handicap one way or the other. You're going to say, okay, do I believe that Detroit's cornerback situation is so bad that Green Bay can take advantage of it? Or on the other side, are the receivers so bad for Green Bay that they can't take advantage of these bad corners for Detroit? There's way too many question marks for me to want to get involved in this one. Steven, I know you are attacking this one in a little bit different of an angle here. The one angle I am confident in is that the Lions defense is all time bad. They are 32nd in drop back EPA. Now they face Aaron Rodgers and the gap between them and the number 31 team in that stat is the same as the gap between the number 31 and the number 24 team. So Packers team total over 26 and a half is the bet I made in this game because to your guys point, I am not confident that the Packers defense will be able to stop the Lions offense in the turf or on the turf with that rushing offense. I think this could be another high scoring uh, high variance game like we saw between the Dolphins and the Lions last week. I do find it interesting that now it, just looking at last week's spread for the Lions game and this week's spread for the for the Lions game that it's clear that the market has downgraded the Packers to slightly worse than the Miami Dolphins to give you an idea of where we are in ranking teams now in the betting market. Uh, but no faith in either of these defenses, which means I don't want to lay the points with Green Bay, but I am confident that they will be able to score. And I was a little bit encouraged by what I saw from their offense despite losing the game in Buffalo last week. It looked like they were a little bit more in sync than they have been in the previous few weeks before then. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Well, 
Let's take a look at the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots. This is now up to six at several books. There is one five and a half still remaining in favor of the Patriots. Forty and a half is your total in this one. Uh, Steven, I'll start with you. I Listen, this to me all week long and uh, basically this screams we should we should be playing the Patriots here. It's almost like a Cincinnati situation we were talking about earlier, right? It's like the the, the sentiment of the Patriots is way down. And it feels as if maybe this is where we should be playing them. I can't do it. I don't know why I can't pull the trigger. I don't know why I can't put it in the account because it's still Sam Ellinger. And by the way, you could tell he was not ready to play. He looked as if he was like a guy out there that just kind of got thrown into a role that he didn't think he was going to get. And I don't think that's going to miraculously change over the course of one week. And so that being said, why can't I put why can't I put this uh, Patriots ticket in my account? Hold on a minute. Are you telling me that you guys are already off the Sam Ellinger bandwagon in one week? What, what, what happened, guys? What happened, Matt? What it, it had? You, you are getting real big in your britches for a guy who <laughs> sucked out on a hail mary last yeah. week. Yeah, you I need mean, to step seriously. right down on that. Yeah, I mean seriously, like take your take your absolute garbage lucky lucky win with a you know a tiny bit of a tiny bit of, of pride over there. I mean, come on, man! Like this was look, it, it, the thing about Ellinger's is is it, it, he they didn't do what I thought they were going to do with him, and it doesn't look like they're going to do it. I, I thought we would see basically like Justin Fields light, right? Like uh, Jalen Hurts light, where it would be a bunch of design run stuff, get him outside the pocket, try to utilize athleticism, things like that. They're not doing that. The Colts are, they're trying to lose. I mean, like, let's just, let's just face it, right? I mean, they're trying to lose. They need one of these top picks to get a new quarterback. And so uh, good on them for doing that. And, And even, even knowing that I still can't put this Patriots ticket in my account. Yeah, although that is the risk you take backing the Colts defense and Sam Ellinger, you are both 100% correct that that was the luckiest cover ever last week by Taylor Heineke playing schoolyard football. But for this game this week, I did not walk away from the Patriots win over the Jets having any type of confidence in this team to the point where I want to back them as a six-point favorite against anybody. I thought Zach Wilson completely bailed them out of that game with some xfl level decisions and despite the fact that mac jones was the number one quarterback passing against zone defense a year ago as a rookie and the colts are top five in in most snaps this season playing zone defense just something's off with this new england passing attack where they are far too reliant on Ramondre stevenson in the rushing game so but at the same time I'm not really interested in backing Sam Ellinger still, even though we're getting him as a, you know, eight more points of value after he was a two and a half favorite last week and now a six point dog here. So just a complete pass for me. Yeah. And Adam, look, I'm, you know, I'm making that statement, this bold statement that I think the Colts are trying to lose. I, uh, you know, that's just my opinion. I'm not, obviously there's no, nothing backing that up. I don't want any people screaming at me or tweeting at me or whatever, but like, you know, again, I, this is a franchise that certainly understands what it's, what it's like to have one of those quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have Manning, you have luck. And then now you're trying to just insert 
random guy here and it hasn't worked for them. And I think, you know, I think upper management, the reason why Matt Ryan is is sitting on the sidelines is because they're like, hey, look, we need one of these top eight picks so we can get one of these three quarterbacks is coming out. And so, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that I'm handicapping this game based off of what I think they're going to do three months from now or whatever. But like, I don't know, tough, tough for me to back the, the Colts really moving forward at all. So the play I have in this game was actually a play I made on Sunday night. Most of what I'm going to tell you are plays that I made last Sunday and numbers that probably aren't there, but I still would encourage you to take a look at the play based on how you feel comfortable with it. I have over 39 and a half uh, in this one, and part of it goes back to what Indianapolis did last week. So they score 16 points against the Washington Commanders. Now, if you look at the first half versus the second half, you could tell Frank Reich was just kind of easing Sam Ellinger into the game. The runs actually started coming for Sam Ellinger in the second half. And I think if Frank Reich sees that he can trust him with that portion of the offense, that maybe you get more of the things that add value from Ellinger. And more importantly, Maybe Frank Reich doesn't go full on shutdown mode in the decision making because part of what screwed Indianapolis last week was the fact that Reich not only kicked two short field goals, but also with a chance to put the game away with about two and a half minutes left, chose not to go for it in a very obvious go for it situation and punted the ball back to Washington, gave Taylor Heineke the opportunity to do what he did. So that being said, on the other side of this, we know that the Indianapolis defense, and I know Stephen was kind of taking a shot at them a moment ago, they're not bad. Like This is a defense that is, that is ranked 11th, 11th by PFF, ranked 14th by DVOA. They're not great. They're not elite, but they're not a bad defense by, by any stretch of the imagination. And so on the other side of this, I still think New England, with the efficiency they can generate running the ball, is going to be smart enough to take advantage of that part of their strength and maybe Hopefully, for my bet at the very least, we stop seeing the ball put in Mac Jones' hands and or we see Bailey Zappi back into the game. I don't think Bailey Zappi is the second coming. But right now, guys, if you look at Mac Jones' numbers, basically from the second half of last season to now, he has been as bad as Baker Mayfield. He has been as bad as Zach Wilson. He has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. The bloom is off the rose for Mac Jones. And so... I believe both of these teams will lean into strengths. Now, I would have felt a lot better leaning into strength with Jonathan Taylor in the lineup for the Indianapolis Colts, but that is not available. However, if you look at my handicap, maybe that ends up meaning that Sam Ellinger does get more opportunities to run the ball and they get a more effective, efficient offense from Indianapolis. Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. This might be our shortest video of all time and the easiest one ever. Name your score, Buffalo, uh, whatever. It's their 11-point favorites. It's a 45-and-a-half total. Uh, Adam, uh, look, I, games like this, it's very hard for me to handicap because essentially when I'm trying to handicap what the motivation is of the of the dominating team, it's just I tend to overthink things, and I, I t I've historically not done well in games like this because – I start overthinking it and I'm like, oh, well, the Bills have every reason in the world to sit all their starters in the fourth quarter because they're playing for the number one seed and they don't want to get guys hurt and et cetera. And like, I just start like trying to handicap motivations and things and then it gets me all out of whack. What do you see here from Bills and Jets? I mean, obviously, you don't think the Jets are have any sort of chance to upset and win here. 
I do not think the Jets yeah. Jets have any chance to upset and win. I am not playing full game on this, largely because of what you just said, because I think this could be a fourth quarter where Buffalo sits everyone down. They're up 28 to seven. They sit everyone down. And all of a sudden, you know, Zach Wilson YOLOing his life away is able to get a cover out of this thing. Like, it's not impossible for, for that to happen. And the Jets defense is relatively good so if you allow the Jets defense some time to play against Buffalo's backups yeah then I think that that could happen so the way that I've chosen to go on this thing is Buffalo first half minus six and a half while the starters are in the game and I'm taking a slight leap of faith on this because if you look at Buffalo's offense EPA per play on dropbacks they are otherworldly they are better than everyone and by a fair amount this year But in the first half, when they are scripting out their runs and they're using, let's just say, a less than efficient means of moving the football, they haven't been great. Like their rush EPA in the first half is bad this year. And so I'm going on the hope that they're not going to go with a conservative game plan against this Jets defense and that the fact that the Jets have been great in coverage is largely because Sauce Gardner could be deployed against one top receiving option. And if there's one team in the league that you can't do that to, it is this Buffalo Bills team where you have way too many guys to try to cover to just say, okay, Sauce, go take one guy away. Because just look at last week where you have Buffalo and Green Bay and Jair Alexander is out there. Well, you can't pick both Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. So that being said, uh, I, I think that the uh, I didn't even get into talking about how bad Zach Wilson has been because you guys have heard me yell about that. Yeah, enough. I, Zach Wilson's yeah, awful. at this point, we don't even have to do it. Like everyone has eyes at this point. Like we've we've talked about it for the last three weeks and now it's just kind of like we don't even have to have to do it anymore. I mean, Stephen, under the radar, I thought that their pickup of Nye Himes was actually a really interesting little uh, interesting little pickup for them. I don't know how much he'll play this week or how how you know much he'll be involved in the offense, but I do think down the line he will pay some dividends for them being just an elite pass catching back out of the backfield. Um what what's your angle on this? Is there an angle on this or was this one that you kind of scratched off? I kind of want to play an unconventional teaser here and get them Mm -hmm. down through the 10, through the seven, through the six and get minus Mm -hmm. five and a half on Buffalo in this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked ad nauseum about Zach Wilson. Go back to a previous episode if you want to hear how bad he is. In summary, he's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, and there's some bad starting quarterbacks. So that that's kind of the angle I was looking at. I know it's not your typical Wong teaser here. Going look, hey man, Wong's hadn't been doing anything this year. So if you want to play that teaser, I don't, I don't hate that at all. Like we got to get creative. It seems like this year, you know, the the variance has come back around. The teasers were awesome the last three years, and everybody was just making a ton of money on them. And so yeah, I mean the variance has come back around, and so I, I I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Yeah, I can see a situation like you guys said, where they're up 14 points, maybe a backdoor touchdown to seven. But now with the little bit of money coming in on the Jets and we can get this through the six as well now, that's interesting to me. I I just feel bad for Jets fans, man, because I truly think this roster is really good with the exception of the quarterback position. And if they even had a slightly below average starting NFL quarterback, we would be talking about a playoff team here, I think. It's it's just a shame. 
Minnesota Vikings and the Washington Commanders. The Vikings are three-point road favorites, though it is shaded towards three-and-a-half, so we might be seeing three-and-a-halves pop here. Forty-three-and-a-half uh, is your total. Steven, I'll start with you. I'll let everyone know this was the second bet that I put in my account this week was the Vikings at three over the Commanders. I am okay with everyone thinking that the Vikings are not good. I don't know if they're good or not. I know that they're good enough to win and cover these games, and that's all I care about, and everyone can keep telling me that, yeah, but this and yeah but that and have you seen this and have you seen that it's like well you know they continue to just to, to, to cash tickets and so this number is too short in my opinion let us remember that the Colts just a week ago were two and a half point favorites over this commander's team with Sam Ellinger at quarterback and here we come with the Vikings in with a much superior roster a much superior quarterback and they're only three point bears I understand we're flip-flopping you know, home and road and things like that. But still, this this number is too short to me. I think everybody, the market continues to undervalue this Vikings team, and I'll just continue to play them and uh, and and be happy about it. Now, I have argued with you about how good or bad the, the Vikings actually are, and I would just note that they are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs on the look-ahead to Buffalo next week, which will be a fun debate next week. But this is a different conversation than than the arguments I've had in previous weeks where I've been hesitant to back the Vikings at more than a field goal. We're, I bet them on the look ahead at, at two and a half. Uh, I think three is still good here. I'd be fine with that. But this is this is still a middle of the pack yards per play team on offense, despite playing the third easiest schedule of defenses this season. They are top five in success rate across the board. I will give them that. On a down-to-down basis, they are very consistent, and they execute at a high level, including on early downs, which is more indicative of future success than, than third-down success rate. So uh, they, they do have a lot of good qualities. I will give them that. I just I don't like Minnesota in relation to the top teams in the league, but I hate Washington. Like Heineke against the Colts is a very different conversation than Heineke against a good offense like this, where he's going to have to keep up. I don't see it. Um, you know, if you look at the statistics for Heineke last week, you guys are going to laugh because I'm about to, you know, bash Heineke after I tried to rub it in your face, but you guys are absolutely right. Statistically, he looked okay. But if you actually watch that game against the Colts, it was like fire drill every play that they had success. He's running around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to find somebody and improvise like that. That that to me did not look like a a high level offensive execution uh, for me. So it was schoolyard football. So I don't think that's sustainable over the long term here. And I think Minnesota's a, a at least an above average football team where I think Washington's bottom five. Yeah. Adam, again, one of those again, trade deadline guys that probably won't pay dividends this week, but down the line, I actually like the pickup of Hawkinson, them getting a third option there in that offense, I think is, is really good. But again, probably won't pay dividends this week. That being said, Taylor Heineke, we like to look at some of these advanced stats. He has the highest turnover worthy percentage uh, of plays in the entire NFL. He, you know, we already talked about this, just incredibly lucky last week and all that. Like, I mean, why would we not pull the trigger on the three here? Because despite everything that we've talked about and despite everything that has happened the last two weeks where, again, I think Washington's terrible and they beat Green Bay outright and they get all the luck in the world to beat Indianapolis. But more importantly, win or not win, they covered. And so... I look at this game and say to myself, 
everything in the world points to Minnesota. I had it up on my screen on Sunday night to play it even at three and a half. And something walked me away from it. And it's something close to what you talked about a moment ago with the teasers, Matt. The idea that variance keeps coming home this season in in some interesting ways, right? I mean, even last night when we talk about Philadelphia and Houston, right? Houston did the things wrong that they were supposed to do wrong. And Philadelphia still didn't cover that game. Now, I get it. It is a much bigger number than what we're talking about here with Minnesota. That being said, the only side you would find me on is Minnesota. I, I firmly believe that Washington is a bad, bad team overall. Las Vegas Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's the disappointment bowl for uh, for me. Two teams that I actually had you know a decent amount of hope for, who have both disappointed and both seasons are lost at this point for both of these teams. Uh, Adam, point and a half in favor of the Raiders on the road at the Jags. Forty eight is the total. I, for me, I look at this and it's like, I don't think the Raiders offense is absolute trash. I think Jacksonville is probably not complete trash either. For, there's a 47 and a half in the market out there. Could they not get this thing to 49 points collectively? I kind of think they can. That's probably the only angle that I would have playing this because, again, it's just... I don't know which one of these teams is going to show up week to week. And if we're here in week nine and I still can't figure out an identity on a squad, then I, I, I typically don't play them very often. And here's two teams that I don't know the identity and they're playing each other. So I sure as hell want to run from this game. So, uh, you know, maybe a t- maybe a total look. And that's about it for me. Uh, I don't have it in yet. I probably will have a Jacksonville teaser leg and I'd like yeah. to get it to two, two and a half if possible mm-hmm. uh, before we get going here. And I think some of that could happen if we get good injury reports on the Las Vegas Raiders, because you're looking at Carr, Adams and Waller all having uncertain status uh, coming into this thing. So if you get a good report, you might see them get out to good teaser territory. Let's understand for a second just how poorly the Las Vegas Raiders played last week. <laughs> It is important to note that they did not cross midfield offensively until late in the fourth quarter when Jared Stidham was at the helm of the team against a Saints team that was allowing everybody to score at will. It was Black Friday every day for the (laughs) Saints. Everybody come on in and get the deals. And it's not like they got significantly healthier. They had no Marshawn Lattimore last week. So... Why was Devontae Adams so bad? What's wrong with this Raiders offense? And I think the Raiders beat writers brought up a really good point this week to say this team with deciding to go with a running offense can't play from behind. And they abandoned the run from behind. And when it got put on Derek Carr and when it got put on that offensive line, it didn't happen. Now, on the other side with Jacksonville, I think there's a little bit of misleading here with Jacksonville because they have had multiple games this year where they have moved the ball up and down the field without a problem and just not been able to either finish drives or been able to finish games. So do I like it enough to say I'll play Jacksonville straight or on the money line? No, because both of these teams have been underwhelming and found very strange ways to lose games. Uh, that being said, I like the teaser. Like if you want to play it at seven and a half, play it at seven and a half. I just think there's a possibility you can get eight, eight and a half. And the way things go this year, especially with Doug Peterson being a woke two point guy, I would probably prefer to get the eight, eight and a half. Steven, I know you are looking at this one as well. I mean, I, I share the sentiment with you, Adam. It's 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 it would be Jacksonville or pass for sure. If I had to play this one, uh, Steven, you are going to go ahead and play the Jags. This is 
the week, boys. One of these they, offenses where, is, where they finally yeah. decide to be good. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> this <laughs> is the week. <laughs> One of these offenses is top 10 in success rate. The other is not. One of these offensive lines is top 10 in adjusted sack rate. The other is not. One of these offensive lines is top 10 in preventing quarterback pressures. The other is not. On the defensive side, one is above average in generating pressures. The other is bottom five. One of these defenses is above average in yards per play allowed. The other is bottom 10. One of these defenses is 31st in the red zone. The cure for what ails the other team's offense so far this season. Every single box I just mentioned, the Jaguars check. And they are a home underdog in this game against the Raiders with Las Vegas having to go across the country. Jags money line. And we'll include them in a teaser as well. I li- listen, man, I like it. We're all we have a lot of agreement here on the pod this week. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's kind of scary here. Uh, just two afternoon games in the NFL this week. I assume that they thought the second one was going to be a, a marquee game. It is not. But we'll kick things off here with the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals are point and a half to two point home favorites in this one. Forty nine and a half is the total. Steven, you and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. Um Look, the the market disagrees with my power ratings. I have the Seahawks a full eight spots ahead of where I have the Cardinals, and yet the Cardinals are favorites in this game. We know home field doesn't really mean anything these days, so if we give it a point even, uh, that's you know that still has the Cardinals favored on a neutral, and that's just not how I have it, right? And yet, why have I not played the Seahawks? I think, you know, look, I probably will before it's all said and done. Probably just a money line play for me. I don't think I need the two points. I think it's probably just, you know, the C- if the Seahawks going to play, do well in this game, they probably just win it outright. I don't think there's going to be any weirdness where I need the two points. The one thing that we should bring up, and we talked about it a ton, and everyone's been talking about it a ton, and as they should have, is how bad that defense was for the Seahawks the first four weeks of the season. Well, fast forward to week five, and if you filter weeks five to eight, this Seahawks defense is actually one of the better in the NFL. And so look, this, the overall season statistics are going to show you that they're still bad, but again, week five to eight, they are the sixth overall defense in EPA per play allowed. I mean, like this is a, this is a defense that has really turned it around. And I don't think that that's just noise. I think that there is uh, I rag on Pete Carroll as much as anybody, but look, this dude's, this dude's coached up a bunch of defenses, right? I mean, like they've had a bunch of good defenses under his, under his watch. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. If it took him a little bit of time with, you know, some of these younger guys and things like that to get them really rocking and rolling. But again, since week five, the number sixth overall defense in the NFL, as far as EPA per play allowed. And so, uh, I, I, again, the market disagrees with me. This is Seattle for me uh, all day long. Like I said, I'll probably just end up playing the money line. I'm with you. I, just for those that missed last week's show, you mentioned that little blip in the radar for the Seattle defense in the middle of the season. Those two games, they played more than 40% man snaps, and the rest of the season, they've been under 20%. A lot of games where they've been under 12%. So they did some self-scouting, it appears, went back to a primarily zone defense, and it's worked really well for them. And they've been stopping quarterbacks like Kyler Murray once already, Justin Herbert, they... They uh, roughed up as well. So I think the defense is legitimate. And for 
I Matt, we saw this last year with the Bengals. I think you know it's for whatever reason when you have a team that has bottom of the barrel expectations coming into the season. It just appears the market is really slow to adjust to that team if they are actually a good team. And um, I think this is a good spot to continue to back Seattle as a dog here. Arizona is 30th in yards per play on offense. And, you know, for the people out there, their public opinion saying, well, DeAndre Hopkins is back. What are they now? Okay, well, the Cardinals were 22nd in yards per play over the past three weeks. So it's not some substantial improvement they've had with DeAndre Hopkins. And on defense, Arizona's bad. They are just they are below league average across the board when it comes to their defense. This is just the market being too slow to adjust to Seattle, in my opinion. And Adam, you know, the total sitting at 49 and a half. Uh, look, the one thing that the one thing that Arizona defense does is they blitz a ton. And if there's one knock on Geno Smith so far this year, it's when blitzed. He is just middle of the pack. I mean, he's not bad, bad. He's just he's average, right? Uh, slightly below. I think he's 17th in the NFL or something versus the blitz. And so, you know, I don't know if 49 and a half isn't a tick too high. If we believe that this Seahawks defense, if the handicap is, we believe that this defense is better and they're going to prevent more points being scored. And we don't think that Arizona offense is anything to write home about. I'm, I'm wondering if the market is also slow to react to the fact that maybe these totals don't need to be bloated as much anymore with Seattle playing a little bit better. So I think what you probably would want to look at if you want to play the total in this game is to look at a first half total, because what tends to happen with the Arizona Cardinals is the scripted plays do not work. And (laughs) Kyler Murray allowed to play schoolyard football does work. And so if you look at a first half total of 24, then maybe you have confidence that you don't get involved in the Wild West shootout of Kyler Murray late in the game. And the Mm -hmm. fact that we saw the Seahawks very late into that game against the Giants still willing to take shots down the field. In fact, the Seahawks put up four touchdowns last week. Tyler Lockett dropped the most obvious touchdown that you'll ever see uh, directly out of his hands. It could have been even worse uh, against the Giants last week, but I'm not trying to advocate against myself at both sides of my mouth. I'm saying if you want to play under, I would look at under in the first half because the cars are so bad on scripted offense. They're one of the worst in the league EPA per play uh, on their first 15 to 20 plays. Now, that being said, let me read to you a few futures that went into my account this week. And Mm -hmm. I wrote this to you guys, quote, despite the fact that I loathe Pete Carroll, um, Seattle over eight and a half wins minus 130. Seattle, yes, playoffs plus 126. Geno Smith, comeback player of the year plus 260. And what a lot of that is for me is both buying into the Seahawks defense, like Matt said, I don't need to repeat all those numbers, but also look at their path in the NFC. I know how well the schedule sets up for the New York Giants. And trust me, as a Giants fan, I'm hoping it continues the way that it has. That being said, Seattle now owns the tiebreaker over the Giants. So they don't have to overtake them. They just have to get even with them. Talk about Geno for comeback player of the year. Show me a full season of Saquon Barkley's health. And I will buy into a minus number on on comeback player of the year for Saquon Barkley. I will always take a quarterback over a running back when it comes to an award. So all of those things add in to the fact that I have the Seahawks plus eight and a half and a teaser. I love what you guys are talking about here when it comes to potentially getting involved with them even deeper than that. But uh, I'm yeah. I'm in. I, I I watched them last week against the Giants. I've seen what they've been able to do to coach this defense up. I'm in on the Seahawks being at least a league average team. 
I'll tell you right now, man, I think from a Seahawks standpoint, when you, with you with the make the playoffs, like I think where we sit right now is, is where we, I think the teams that are in right now are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. I do not see the Rams or the Bucks or the Packers or the commanders or any of these teams making a big second half surge. I think it's Eagles, Vikings, Seahawks, Cowboys, Giants, Niners, and then, you know, whatever, whatever ends up happening in the South, you know, in the NFC South, right? I mean, like whoever ends up coming out of the South, like, I, I think that, I think those are the teams that are going to make the playoffs. And so uh, I'm with you. I think that that is a, a really good play as well. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U S sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. The second of the afternoon games is the Rams and the Bucks. And again, I think that they only put two afternoon games thinking that this game was going to be lit. And instead, it is the exact opposite of what we got going on. It is a three-point spread in favor of the Bucks over in Tampa. A 42 and a half total with a game between the Rams and the Bucks. A 42 and a half total um adam look everything screams this should be the bucks like they're getting healthier they're they're gonna run they're gonna roll out you know as healthy a lineup as they've had since week one the rams i don't care if cooper cup says he's fine you have an ankle injury as a wide receiver you're not going to be as explosive as you know you're not gonna be able to make the cuts as sharp and all that and when you're cooper cup you rely so heavily on all of that i mean Again, it's not in the account. I don't know why it's not in the account. I did play it in the contest. I played the Bucks in the contest, at least so I don't completely hate myself if they wax the the Rams in this situation. But it seems like this should be an easy play on the Bucks for me, but I guess I'm letting my biases take take too much of a hold here and I can't put it in my account. <laughs> Matt, it's not biases. What have you watched the yeah. first eight weeks of the season when it comes to Tampa? I told you guys before the Pittsburgh game, Something was broken with with this team, and it's still broken. And now you have a defense that would have probably been the calling card of trying to turn this around. And you have Shaq Barrett out for the year, and you have Carlton Davis not playing this week, and you have Antoine Winfield not playing this week. You have a defense that is beaten to hell. So my handicap on this was very simple. Which one of these teams is more than a full score better than the other? And the answer mm-hmm. right now is neither. So I have Rams plus eight and a half as the other side of that Seattle teaser that I have in. It's the less confident side because I know how bad the Rams offensive yeah. line has been. And I know Cooper Cup might not be with full health. That being said, what has the Bucks offense shown you to say they're going to blow the Rams out no matter how bad the Rams play. So for me, it wasn't about any one particular matchup. It was just looking and saying these two teams are not more than eight and a half points apart. 
And I mean, yeah. And here's the deal. It's in any other year, right? I mean, this would be an autoplay because it's a 42 and a half total and you get it up to eight, eight and a half. I mean, like that's, you know, it would be an autoplay from a teaser standpoint as well. So uh, we can't just be completely gun shy on all this just because it hasn't worked out so far this year. Sunday night football, Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs right now, 12, 12 and a half in favor of the Chiefs, 46, 46 and a half is your total out there. And we have disagreement. You guys are on opposite sides of this game. I don't have a play. Uh, Very interested in this one uh, to hear what you guys got going on. Steven, you are on the side of the Chiefs. Adam, you are on the side of the Titans. Fight! No, uh, uh, Steven, go ahead. Give your, uh, give your, give your, uh, give your Chiefs side here. I, first of all, I locked I locked mine in on Thursday when the Ryan Tannehill downgrade in practice came in. He went from limited to a DMP. I thought that was bad. And if there's if Malik Willis plays in this game, they're going to get torched. And I've been on this show week after week saying I don't think the Titans are a good team. I think their five-game winning streak is completely fraudulent. They do not check the boxes in terms of, of yards per play on offense or on defense. Now, I'm going to ask this question to you, Adam. And it's going to sound sarcastic because I'm from Philadelphia and my accent tends to come off that way to people. But I genuinely mean this. I'm very, very curious because you have been higher on the Titans than the market for a lot of this season and you have given them credit. So I am I am curious what you have seen that leads you to to be higher than most people are on the Titans at this point. I'll tell you what, actually, that's not the case. Like, I, I've actually been fairly low on Tennessee for really? a lot of okay. the year. Yeah. I mean, if I look at my, I'll go check my power rates right now and see. And, uh, you know, I, like I told you guys before, I compare them against other power ratings. Mm-hmm. I have Tennessee 14th in my power ratings, and that's six off from where Pro Football Focus has them even higher. Uh, and if you look at Tennessee and you look at this team from, just strictly an analytics perspective and you don't get yourself involved in they run too much with Derrick Henry etc etc who do they have to catch the ball like I've had to go back on this team and say all right even though I'm below market on them let's take a look at some of the advanced numbers with this team they are in the upper right quadrant on passing and rushing rushing efficiency they've actually been really good in fact Ryan Tannehill has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league by EPA measures this year take it over to the other side of the ball Tennessee has actually been one of the best defenses in the league by uh, EPA Mm -hmm. this year. So the numbers bear out a team that I thought was going to be pretty bad overall, but frankly, hasn't been that way. And I'll tell you what, if Ryan Tannehill doesn't go, I don't think it hurts them as much as you would think, because I think they're going to adjust the game plan. No, I think they I think they lean into the run even heavier. And we have seen Tennessee against this Kansas City team be able to run the ball and be able to run the ball to the point where if you're going to put 12 and a half points in my account, I'll take 12 and a half because they're going to be able to shorten this game down. Kansas City's defense, quiet as it's kept, has not been good. They, they started out a little better this year, but overall, Kansas City's defense is a bottom third defense just about any way you look at it. And so I understand Kansas City's offense is world beating. It is everything that we thought it wasn't going to be this year with trading Tyree Kill. But I don't need Tennessee to win. I need them to keep it within 12 and a half points. And I think they're going to be able to run the ball effectively enough. And we've seen them do it over the years against Kansas City that as long as they can run the ball, they're going to be all right. Now, I talk about Malik Willis, and I'm going to throw this back to you here in a second, Stephen. 
Malik Willis, what he has done for Derrick Henry, at least in the last week, was when they run RPO kind of things, the defense has to hold for just a second. Linebackers can't go firing off into the hole, even if they play seven and eight in the box, because you have to respect the fact that Malik Willis might just pull it and run it. So all of this being said, I'm not trying here trying to tell you I think Tennessee is as good as the metrics suggest. I also just don't think they're as bad as what we thought the handicap was going to be. So let me make sure I got this right. If Malik Willis plays, you would still fire on Titans plus 12 and a half. Yes. I think you're insane. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> I don't, That's where I, I draw yeah. the line. I, 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 this, this is, this game is actually has a lot of in, intrigue for me this week. And weirdly, even though I don't have a play in it, because I, I, there's a lot of me that says Kansas City can win this thing by, by, 27 you know like if it this you mean is more like, like they just the, did to the 49ers by the way like they basically like, just blew the doors off the 49ers the number four team in all of our power rankings but there's also like but there is the other side that that an adam side where it is hey tennessee just might take the air out of the ball and like literally steal a full possession or two from the chiefs because of just draining the clock and like they have fewer opportunities to even blow it out of the water so i'm very very interested in this game, uh, that said, I mean, these 12 and a halfs wouldn't surprise me if they turned to 13s for it's all said yeah, and done. If you wanted absolutely. to uh, play the Titans on this, uh, I know a a very prominent uh, offshore is already at 13 and they tend to uh, they tend to shape markets sometimes. So just uh, if you do want to play the Titans, maybe maybe hang out for a bit and you might get a 13 on that game guys we always have a full breakdown of monday night football so be sure and tune in at the beginning of uh monday morning that being said just a quick little preview here i am on the saints plus four got a rogue number that was uh that was posted four. here in uh posted posted really? in uh in las vegas yeah on an opener and so took the saints plus four i my only decision now is do i come back on the ravens at two and a half and try to middle this thing at three um that's the that's the only question really for me uh in this one but yeah i got a got a rogue number on the saints and we'll have the full breakdown of that a little bit later do you guys have an opinion on this one i like the saints mm-hmm. i think the ravens are really banged up i don't think mark andrews is 100 percent. they lost rashad bateman for the season they are dealing with practice squad level running backs in my opinion at this point in their careers and the Saints offense, with the exception of Andy Dalton throwing a couple bonehead pick sixes, has been really good. If you line these two teams up side by side on some stats, uh, offense versus defense, there's an argument to be made that the Saints have actually been better than the Ravens, believe it or not. So uh, part of that might be scheduled, but I think at home here, this is a, and the injuries, this is a really tough spot for Baltimore. This is a Baltimore team that you guys know very well. I am probably higher on than just about anybody out there. And that being said, I took Saints three and a half at open on Sunday immediately because this Saints team has been outperforming on offense, as Steven said. And on the other side of this with Baltimore, they continue to be a very beaten up team and they're not winning games decisively, no matter how good they are. You can just go back and look at them beating the Cleveland Browns by three. Like this is a team that is not blowing anybody out. And so when you give me that three and a half, I will definitely take the hook with them. I make it Baltimore three, but the hook is all the difference for me in this game. 
Guys, everything we do, absolutely free. We really do appreciate you uh, supporting the channel. Go ahead, hit that subscribe button down below. Give us a thumbs up on this video, and then let us know in the comment section, you know, what games are you playing this week? What games do you agree with us? What games do you think that we're absolutely crazy? Uh, we got thick skin. We can take it. So let us know if we're uh, if we're crazy on anything. Stephen already and called me insane. Yeah, you can, follow, <laughs> you can follow Adam over on the Twitter machine at Adam Candy. That's two E's, no Y. You can follow Stephen Anders at Stephen Anders 1. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. Good luck on all your bets here in week nine.